welcome to another episode of the Shanna Plan. This is the 27th episode that I have been joined by Akash. Akash, what's going on, man? How you doing? Kyle, happy Tuesday as as we record. Just fully into the off season. Uh, rumor mill. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Yeah, more rumors. They're not going away anytime soon. And I know that there's a lot of QB fatigue going on, but as long as we are in the situation that we are in with what we just witnessed, that is not going anywhere anytime soon. So we have some news to talk about. Let's start with Adam Peters. And he had a phone interview with the Athletics' Matt Barrows. And Peters just kind of recapped what scouts do in general. He talked about the quote-unquote official 30 visits. And then just what, you know, what goes on behind the scenes. So did you get a chance to read that article? I did, yeah. I, th- I thought it was interesting. Um, it gives you some insight into just how scouts work and how that's different now uh, in COVID times and, and just how much more difficult scouting is because you're unable to go to schools, unable to do like official visits. Obviously, there's going to be no scouting combine, which is where a lot of the NFL conducts its business. Um, so a lot of things are just different in these times, which makes scouting and drafting players even that much more difficult. Uh, but that is something that's common for all the teams. It's not something that's specific just to the 49ers. Um, but yeah, just get just a you know a little insight. There's nothing juicy in there in terms of uh, you know quarterbacks or players or positions that they like. You figure that they'd keep that stuff internal um, and and not let uh, any of that info get out to the public. But you know, uh, good insight into scouting. Yeah. So we talked about the 30 visits. And what Peter said was there are no restrictions on the phone call. So that if the 49ers are, you know, comfortable with a player or they are starting to gravitate towards a player, they can be on the phone with him as many times as they would like. There are limits as far as Zoom and video calls go. You can have five of those and they can be up to an hour long. Other than that, yeah. So Peter's brought up how they were blown away by Fred Warner on his visit. And they also he also mentioned how they really like Mike McGlinchey at a combine interview. But after that, they kind of try to keep things under wraps so nobody would know that they liked him. So when you see all the visits upcoming over the next couple months, I would, you know, take it too seriously just because they're going to be talking to any and everybody, especially fresh off the senior bowl. So that was just good get. But yeah, as you mentioned, nothing too juicy just because. What is he going to say at this point? What what can he say that, you know, won't get him, quote unquote, in trouble? Mike Florio, big 49ers fan, wrote an article about Jimmy Garoppolo because that's what he does. And he mentioned that he believes that Jimmy will be cut. So what, what his question essentially was is if the 49ers don't want to keep Garoppolo at his contract, who would want to trade for that thing? So I'll give you the full quote. He said, most presume that Jimmy Garoppolo will be traded, but here's a question. If the 49ers don't want to keep Garoppolo at the balance of his current contract, who would trade for the thing? Garoppolo has a total compensation package of $25.5 million for 2021 and $25.6 million for 2022. If he were a free agent, would anyone offer him $50 million over two years? It's doubtful. It's doubtful because he hasn't proven he can stay healthy. He missed 23 games over the last three seasons, dating back to 2016. When he had a four-game audition during Tom Brady's Deflategate suspension, Garoppolo got injured in the second game. So here's my prediction. The 49ers will eventually roll the dice on Garoppolo again, not at his current contract. And since 
they won't be able to trade the contract. They'll eventually cut Garoppolo by taking a cap charge of only $2.8 million. That is something that we have talked about. And then, I guess, just with this report, quote-unquote report, feeling, whatever it is, I think the, the biggest takeaway, and the reason that this has legs is because the timing. Florio, who knows how close he is with you know Jimmy G's agent, Don Yee. We know that he works with Chris Sims, Kyle Shanahan's best buddy, daily. So they could be having conversations. And then on Monday, Matt Mayoko, 49ers, everything, on his podcast said that, you know, he brought up the same thing. He went out of his way to kind of bring up the fact that there could be a, an instance where Jimmy G is cut. But that was kind of out of the box and, you know, something that would be unexpected. So where do you stand on all of this, Akash? Yeah, it, so it's funny when you bring up Jimmy Garoppolo's contract uh, and you hear, the, like, two completely opposite sides. When you listen to, like, the 49ers beat writers, fans – um, whatever you'd, you'd hear that, you know, the contract is a discount and he's, you know, in the top 15 of, of quarterback, uh, you know, annual salaries, it's not that much. And then you listen to maybe like national media and folks that are removed from the 49ers and they'll tell you like, how do you pay that caliber of player that much money? So you get, you know, both sides of the spectrum and I lean more on the, how do you pay that caliber of player that much money? Um, and I think the timing of this you know, uh, report makes things interesting. So obviously NFL, you guys know free agency comes before the draft. So are the 49ers just going to, you know, rip off the bandaid and release Jimmy Garoppolo before free agency so that they can spend, you know, the $26 million or whatever that he's going to clear up. Or do they not do that till they wait till the draft? Uh, so they can maybe acquire, you know, a, a rookie and then release or trade him uh, which means that you would not be able to spend that money just because players would not have waited, you know, a month and a half to sign contracts and stuff. So the timing of this makes it super, super interesting, I think, um, uh, of when that's going to happen. Ultimately, I don't think he's going to get cut. Uh, I think there'll be a suitor that takes him um, and someone that trades for him just because, you know, quarterback supply demand, there's more supply. There's more demand than there is supply. So ultimately, I think someone will pay draft capital for him. I just don't know who and, and when that's going to happen. So this is obviously all one big hypothetical. Let's say that there is a suitor. What would you guess his market or his going rate is at this time? Because that is something that I'm fascinated to see if we do get there, because we have no idea. We have no idea what the NFL thinks about Jimmy and, and where what he goes for will tell us a lot, even though the 49ers are kind of in a tough spot in that situation because they, they quote unquote would have their quarterback in this, you know, hypothetical. So they would be kind of hand handcuffed and that would probably drive his market down or just value down a little bit. So what would you guess Jimmy goes for in this hypothetical? I imagine it's a high day three pick just because like you mentioned, they lose all the leverage once they acquire their future quarterback, right? So once they, draft a player or they trade for a player or sign a player, then immediately if they're attempting to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, his value is, is just less, right? Um, so I would assume high day three pick, something like that. Uh, I doubt you get anything higher than that. Just given his contract situation, given the fact that he's missed, whatever, 25 games in the last few seasons, uh, just taking, into, taking that into account, I can't imagine him fetching more than like a fourth round pick, third round pick maybe. Yeah, I think if they were to get a third in that situation, they would be 
jumping up with joy because that would you know that would just be able to put them in a position to grab a quality player so let's uh let's move on to george kittle he joined chris sims the aforementioned chris sims on the unbutton podcast and he talked about what he would like to improve on moving forward so kittle here's what he said i would like to get better you know the longer distance routes you know some longer distance third down stuff you know just get an open man coverage you know i think there's definitely plays that you know i could have made this year um that i didn't make so just being able to finish those plays and um and that's just confidence in yourself, you know, how you talk to yourself. So I'm not too worried about that, but just gives me something to work on, you know, just consistency. And, you know, obviously staying on the field and being healthy is uh, the one thing I, I would love to be able to do this year and I need to do. Yes, yes, you do, because the 49ers did pay him a lot of money and they paid him a lot of money to play. They paid him a lot of money to be the difference maker on offense. So I agree with everything that he said. I think that he can improve as a route runner. He can improve as separation. You know, as far as separation goes and just making those big plays. So um, and, and when I say big plays, I don't mean the the deep Packers touchdown in 2019 where he schemed wide open. Just, you know, making plays that you would expect a top tier tight end to make. And I'm not saying he doesn't make plays because obviously he does. The 49ers are, gave him that contract because he is a special player. So the 49ers need Kittle to be a special player for 16 games specifically. So what was your takeaway from Kittle's quotes there? Yeah, he knows that he has to belong on the field, right? One of the things and one of the reasons why we think Travis Kelsey is a better tight end is because he just plays. He plays 16 games, right? You know when you watch the Chiefs that he's going to be on the field and he's going to be playing. And with George Kittle now, he only played about 400 snaps this past season. He missed uh, like seven games there in the middle. And props to him, he did come back and return and play the last two games that didn't really mean much, but... So you, you got to be able to stay on the field, I think, um, to be successful. And he's, you know, he hasn't done that in two of his four, uh, you know, seasons in his short career. So doing that in 2021 and forward is going to be important. And, you know, he has this physical um, style of play that he likes. And I feel like the older he gets, he's going to have to adapt from that. Uh, you know, he can't be just looking for contact 24, seven, 365. Uh, it's going to have to make some more smart decisions so that he can stay on the field. Uh, cause his offense needs him, uh, desperately. Uh, and then the second thing is route running. So again, back to Kelsey, uh, we just think he's a better pure route runner and just receiving tight end. And that's one of the reasons we think he's better than George Kittle and why he's proven to be better this past season. Um, and yeah, just an area for, for Kittle to improve upon. It It's kind of, you know, eye-opening to see that he's admitting to these things, um, you know, publicly, uh, which is which is good. I think that's the first step into, uh, you know, improving upon these things. So I like that he was, you know, open and, and admitting these things to Sims uh, on, on that podcast. Yeah, I think Kittle could stand to get just more creative as a route runner, just have a, a more of a plan. And when you brought up, you know, adapting as he gets older. That that's that was one thing that actually stood out to me in 2019 where he would have the ball sometimes and instead of trying to either make a guy miss or even staying on his feet and stiff arming him, he would look to lower his shoulder and then he would, I mean, I don't want to say give up yards, but that's essentially what happened where if you don't run him over, you're down. Whereas, you know, another wide receiver would be able to s- sort of make a miss or at least avoid the square sh- 100% tackle and then be able to gain yards after that. So I think that is an area where Kittle can definitely evolve as a receiver, but we're talking about, you know, the best second best tight end 
the two best tight ends clearly, and then there's everybody else. So when you hear Akash say, we think, you know, Kelsey is better, that's not a dig at Kelsey at all. Or that's not a dig, dig at Kittle, Kittle at all. Yeah. yeah, that's it's not. Kittle is a great, great player. There's nobody's arguing that. Nobody's debating that at all. We just think in this situation, Kelsey is better than Kittle as a route runner. So yeah, and and it's a fluid title. Yeah. You know, if Kittle comes out and he balls in 2021, then you know the title will go back and forth. We thought Kittle was better in 2019, and you know Kelsey was better in 2020. There's nothing wrong with being you know like one B to the other guy's one A. Like totally fine. It's fluid. That's a great, and all of this is fluid. This is football. This is not, we don't have to have a take and stand by it until the end of a contract. That's not how this works. If a player is playing well, we talk about it. If a player is not playing well, we talk about it. Uh, Speaking of, back to the quarterback, because you have been on a rant about one Jimmy Garoppolo. PFF released their QB, uh, annual QB recap, whatever it's called. And they went through every quarterback in the NFL and they give you some really valuable information. They tell you where the quarterback's ball location is. They tell you exactly how many times they throw a specific route. And they actually go back from 2008 to 2018. So you have 2018, 2019 and 2020. And you have from passer rating on third down to under pressure to against the blitz, no blitz, win clean in the red zone. I mean, there's just, invaluable there's more information than you you know you probably need but true um but you you've been tweeting about this and jimmy's numbers do not look great they come off as a player who's i mean everything in here is pretty much what we knew so they have one section where it's a big time throw versus turnover worthy plays and jimmy is more on the safe side but we already knew that just i guess What's more surprising is seeing this, like seeing the data in front of our eyes and then comparing it to everybody else. That is more of a shock factor when you're like, wow, this is it, huh? This is what's going on. So, Akash, take the will. What 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 was your takeaways? What were your takeaways from uh from this PFF guide? Okay, so there were a bunch of things that were interesting to me. The first thing that stood out was this graph that showed passer rating versus time to throw. Uh so basically it said, okay, you know, how much time before Jimmy Garoppolo releases the ball versus, you know, what his passer rating is. So his passer rating was the highest when, you know, he had about two to two and a half seconds and then it falls off of a cliff. So basically when Jimmy Garoppolo is going through his reads, when he is on time and, you know, he knows where to go with the ball and it's his first read, he's been, you know, somewhat efficient. Yet when he holds on to it, he has to create, um, he's trying to work through his reads. It just falls off of a map. And, you know, when he holds the ball for more than three seconds, the passer rating isn't even shown on the graph. It's like below the X axis or below the Y axis. It was that bad. And, you know, that was one of the, one of the things that stood out to me. Um, you know, when he holds the ball for more than two and a half seconds this past season, he, he threw for four picks. Um, which isn't good, right? So when he has to create or he's asked to, you know, move to his second, third, fourth read, whatever in the progression, it's, you know, the ball's not as accurate, um, you know, leads to more turnovers, whatever. Um, and then just his general accuracy. And, you know, I tweeted the picture, it shows like a receiver and then it's got a bunch of circles and it shows, you know, how accurate he is versus, you know, how many times he throws behind, in front, above, below all that kind of stuff. And he was only accurate 
meaning not the ball was completed, meaning how many times does he hit the guy in the numbers 50% of the time, 51% of the time, which is 7% below league average. League average. We're not even talking about elite. We're just talking about average. And the only place he was elite was he didn't throw the ball high. (laughs) Everywhere else was bad. He threw the ball behind, back, front, overthrow, underthrow. All that stuff was bad. The only thing that he didn't do was throw the ball high, (laughs) which I guess credit to him. Um, Value that consistency, baby. Value that consistency. And, you know, this wasn't something that was as evident in 2019. You know, I, I think Rich Madrid... Uh, through both the 2019 and 2019, um, you know, picture side by side. And he was more accurate in, in 2019. And I'm sure like injuries and whatever played a role in, in 2020, but it's hard to evaluate, right? Cause your quarterback had some injuries, but he's also been regressing since 2017. Like, I don't know how you separate like COVID and injuries from just his pure play and figure out, okay, am I supposed to keep this guy moving forward? Do I like, do I just bank on him being healthy? It's it's an extremely tough evaluation, I think, if you're you know Kyle Shanahan or in the front office. Um, and then the other thing, the last thing that I thought was interesting, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, seventy percent of his throws were the, were you know just his first read. So whatever he sees, um, you know his initial read, that's where he's going with the ball seventy percent of the time. You know he was accurate forty eight percent of the time, which again is eight percent below league average. Um, and then whenever he went to his next read, so not his first read, go somewhere else and throws the ball. He only did that 9% of the time and he was only accurate 41% of the time. And that's 11% below league average. And, you know, when, whenever he moved to his next read, his, um, you know, turnover worthy plays like shot up, um, way above league average. And so that was, that was concerning. And the same thing for when, you know, he scrambled, um, his accuracy just fell off the map. Uh, compared to league average. So it's basically what we've been talking about, right? When he's on time, when he knows where to go with the ball, when Kyle Shanahan schemes it up, he's able to deliver. Yet when he has to create out of the structure of the offense or he has to just work through his reads and things like that, the accuracy, at least last season, uh, fell off the map. What did you think of this stuff? I know you were going through it as well. Yeah, in the simplest terms, what my takeaway was, when Kyle's holding his hand, he's fine. When Kyle is not holding his hand, it's a problem. And that's the the easiest way that I could put it. So in 2019, and you mentioned how, you know, we have to mention that as well. So down the middle, like right in the numbers, he was completing 60.5% of his passes. That was 1.9% above league average. So PFF credited him for good there. Other than that, in front, he was point. below league average still gave him a good there everywhere else. So overthrows, he was actually elite. So he did not make any overthrows ironically enough. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Other than that though, everything else was either average or below average in 2019 as well. And actually in front, he was actually listed as poor. So he was better in 2019, but that's really because it was tough to get worse than 2020. And that's really why. So um, I just think that when, when you mentioned how he has to scramble. So when you have to go outside of the play structure, that's when your physical tools are either exposed or put on, you know, under the microscope. So you, you, you don't have, you know, you don't have to set your feet. You don't have to, you know, you have to have a stronger arm because you are going to have to throw off platform and, as we've seen, that's not his strength. So again, 
nothing too surprising from that, but just seeing it paired with everybody else was, you know, the big takeaway. So PFF also had a positive grade percentage versus negative grade percentage in 2020. High and left is the worst. Bottom right is the best. No player was as high and left as Jimmy Garoppolo in 2020. That I imagine is not, I mean, that's an issue. Like I don't understand why that's, we have, we wouldn't talk about that. Um, And again, 2020, he was not healthy, but also 2020, he was not, you know, he didn't exactly roll out onto the field with a cast on his leg either. So I don't understand why we have to go so far in that direction to, you know, to act like he wasn't completely or just to act like he just wasn't capable of making these throws because I don't feel like, I, I just feel like we've gone too far in that direction. But other than that, um, the information wasn't good. It wasn't positive. And it's, it's tough to digest for fans. I imagine just because it's not positive and you want it's when that happens, it's easy to, you know, come up with excuses or find the reason why that didn't happen, where, we know we have this information. We can watch these games. You can tell on certain plays where he was affected. You can tell on other plays where he wasn't. It was just a bad play. So that was my takeaway, man. It's it's uh, it was tough. Is is probably the biggest the biggest takeaway. It was tough to tough to digest that information. But um, I imagine you know the four ers are well aware of this because I think we give we don't give the NFL credit for the type of information that they are privy to. So. If, if PFF has his data, imagine what the 49ers know. They know to a T how many times he hit his correct read, how many times he hit a slant on this play and what, oh, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So their they, analytics department, especially given like what the play structure is and what the concepts are and what the progressions are, I'm sure they know way more than like what PFF knows. Yeah. And they're going to have just access to the information. So they, they, they're not guessing essentially like we are, yeah. like PFF is. So, um, we will find out what the 49ers think about Jimmy Garoppolo very soon. So we're going to talk about the offseason plan that I wrote about on Tuesday when we come back from this break. All right, so I have written three offseason plans this offseason. And the first one had Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance as the quarterbacks. The second one had Matt Stafford, who is not on the 49ers. He is with the Rams. Thanks to collusion, as I made sure to point out. Um, the third. It was an inside job. I, yes. I, I'm, yeah, exactly. Until he should be a Panther. Notice. He should yeah, be a Panther. Man. Like, come on. Nobody's turning down that much draft capital. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? So, yeah, but anyway, sure. let's not get on that tangent. Let's, let's stay, stay put here. So, in this situation, I have the 49ers trading up from number 12 to number three, number two, hypothetically, for Justin Fields. There was immediate pushback because, one, some fans feel like that is, you know, not in the 49ers wheelhouse to essentially trade up for, trade up that many spots for a player. Even though, I mean, we have record for them trading up. Yep, they've they've done it quite a bit over the past couple years and not even just in the draft. So, D Ford is a big gamble that they took. Uh, just signing Quan Alexander that type of money, signing Weston Richburg that type of money, they take swings often. So I don't feel like, you know, taking a swing on a quarterback would be that, you know, going out of left field just because I don't, and I told you this, Akash, I don't think that they've been in a position 
where they have been presented a franchise quarterback like they are now. So we haven't really seen them in that much of a desperation move. But I want to talk about some of the other moves because everybody just focuses on the quarterback, of course, but it's a team building process. So as far as who stays, Trent Williams, Jason Verrett, DJ Jones, and I went against the grain and said Akilio Witherspoon should play. I think he played lights out towards the end of the season. I think he should get another chance because of that. So Witherspoon, he only allowed 6.7 yards per target. He allowed a completion percentage of 52.2. He was great against the run. He was playing with a level of confidence that you did not see since the early part of the 2019 season. So I, I went back and was watching like week 17. He was in DK Metcalf's face after every incompletion he forced, just like dancing and talking crap to him, like right in his face. You don't see many players do that. So that kind of tells you his where his confidence level is at. But it also kind of tells you just how much confidence matters with a guy like Witherspoon. So writing that, writing how he finished the season into next year, I think he prove that you know he's a little more reliable than Mosley was last season so based on how this whole offseason plan went the 49ers were going to roll into the 2021 season with Jason Verrett and Akilah Witherspoon as their free agents or as their quarterbacks Uh, who signs from outside the building Alex Mack another guy that's not you know we don't have to spend too much time on him uh my edge rusher was Danico Autry who was a name out of left field kind of he played for the Colts um, I just feel like the 49ers do have to bring in a veteran pass rusher, uh, and I feel like they need a guy that will be able to contribute right away. Uh, he is a step down from Kerry Hyder, what Kerry Hyder did last year, but you're also not paying him what Kerry Hyder is going to receive on the market. My other cornerback was Troy Hill, who played the last five seasons in the Rams. He's an aggressive player. He made plays with the Rams. He will continue to make plays with the 49ers. He played inside and outside. He played a little bit of safety. He blitzed quite a bit. And assuming D'Amico Ryans is not like his predecessor and is going to be more aggressive, I imagine the 49ers will continue to blitz more and more and more, especially from their DBs. So Troy Hill felt like a good fit. So those were the only three outside free agents that I had. Uh, Let's just pause there. Any thoughts, takeaways from your side? Yeah, so first the team free agents. Um, so Emmanuel Mosley's restricted free agent. I assume he's coming back yep. as part of your plan. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so I'll touch on that real quick. So the restricted free agents that I did have coming back included Emmanuel Mosley, Ross Dwelly, Marcel Harris, and that was just naming a few. And I imagine there will be other guys that come back because we've seen them sign. It feels like an ERFA every darn day. So uh, Juice, Kendrick Bourne, Kerry Hyder. Tart, Sherman, and K1 Williams, they are all they are all off to another team. Yeah. So first, you, you know, you have the team re-signing Trent Williams. I think that's a must. I, I see a lot of people talking about how you can maybe go bargain bin shopping, or maybe you could replace him with somebody in the draft. Don't I just think it. he played Yeah, don't do it. Yeah, I just think he played so well. And just given what Andrew Whitworth has done in the division, you figure he's got four or five high-level seasons in him. I tweeted this out yesterday. Uh, you know, from Sports Info Solutions, Trent Williams only blew 12 blocks on 900 snaps, both in run and, and in the pass uh, the season. Uh, and, you know, he led the team in blown block percentage. Five of those uh, came again against Miami, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Just it was insane what he did this past season, and I don't see how you don't bring him back. So I do like that. 
Um, I also like the fact that, you know, uh, Jason Verrett is coming back. Um, yeah, I thought he was the best corner on the team. I don't even think that's that controversial to say. Um, and some of the outside, um, you know, free agents that you signed, uh, Alex Mack, I think just provides stability. I don't know how much he has left in the tank at 36. Um, but the 49ers don't have a lot of cap space to go, you know, really, uh, get a a star center. Um, but I think he'll provide more stability than Grasso and Garland and some of the other guys they trotted out there this season. So yeah, it was a, it was a good mix of, uh, free agents compared to some of your, uh, other plans. (laughs) I'm taking that as a shot, but it's not a shot. It's not a shot. It's not a shot. So real quick, just to put in perspective of how well Jason Verrett played this past season. So Sports Info Solutions, our new favorite sports site, uh, they had Jason Verrett saving 54 total points. The only, Here's the list of cornerbacks who had better seasons. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Only eight players saved more points at the cornerback position this year, this past season, than Jason Verrett. That is a guy that you want to re-sign. And just imagine how much better he is going to be with Nick freaking Bosa on the field. That is going to make your entire secondary, including Witherspoon, a better player. So, yeah, I think it's imperative that, you know, they get a guy like Verrett back. They just have to get a competent corner. And it's going to be tough to find somebody more competent than Jason Verrett. So moving on, extensions, restructures, and releases. So in this offseason plan, Fred Warner, Mike McGlinchey, and Lakin Tomlinson are getting extended. Jimmy Ward, maybe extended, maybe restructured. He, his contract is like, he doesn't have any guaranteed salary left. So you can kind of just move money around. And then the obvious releases post June one, D Ford and Weston Richburg. So that's where I had as far as moving guys around, moving money around just to create cap space. And instantly people are like, why don't you do it with Jimmy G? Well, there's a reason for that. But before we do that, uh, gosh, what do you think of moving money around and just restructuring, extending, and releasing those names. Yeah, I feel like we've been texting about this a lot just because the salary cap is this like very complex thing with all these different rules and all that kind of stuff. So first, the Lake and Tomlinson extension, I think is a really, really good idea. I think he's uh, accounting for like $6.5 million against the cap. What you could basically do is lower his base salary to the veteran minimum, which I think is like a million dollars or just over a million dollars. And then spread that money, you know, as, as a prorated signing bonus and then just extend him a couple more seasons. Um, and that way, you know, he feels loved. I think he's only missed a handful of snaps, uh, since he joined the team. Uh, and he's been just a reliable, solid left guard. And you can also lower his cap it. I think you can save about $3 million, uh, roughly, um, by doing that. Uh, the D Ford and Richburg, uh, releases. So you said those would be both post, you know, June 1st. Um, so basically, and we, I think learned this together this weekend, that money doesn't open up till June 2nd. So it's not like the 49ers can spend the money with the, with, you know, thinking that Ford and Richburg won't be on the books that like, that's not how it works. So if the salary cap is like $180 million, then until those guys are off the books, you can't spend that money. So if you release those guys, you won't be able to replace them with free agents this season, but it will help you. Uh, next season so um, the big thing with Ford is he has to pass a physical I think he's due like 12 million dollars on April 1st um, and if he doesn't pass a physical he still gets that money it's I think it's guaranteed for injury so 
just pray. He's got to pass a physical by April 1st. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like what you've done. I feel like the McGlinchey extension is going to cause like an uproar amongst fans because they think he stinks and he's bad and all that. But, um, you know, I think he's, he's a solid right tackle. And depending on what the price is, I think you can get him for cheaper than what a lot of people think. And I think he's, I think he'll fill that role. Um, and he was one of the few guys to stay healthy this past season. Yeah, he plays, man, and he plays very well. There are plays that we see, and when an offensive lineman is beaten, that's what's going to stick out like a sore thumb. And when an offensive lineman is beaten pretty much every game, that's going to stick out like a sore thumb. And in his situation, like the backups did him no favors, but he did not do himself any favors as well because in the two minutes and just in late-game situations, you always saw number 69 – with his back turned to us. Like, that's not good. If we can see his number, that's not a good thing. If his shoulders are parallel with the sideline or, you know, he's making these lookout blocks, that is not ideal. That happened far too much. But there are just so many plays. Like, we can go through the run game. And even as a pass protector where he has very, very high-quality reps. So, yeah, I think an extension is inevitable for Mike McGlinchey. And that's when you point out Richburg and Ford, these extensions give the 49ers money right away that they will be able to use and, and they probably will need that. So it, it gives them a little ways, uh, smaller ways just to get creative. So the big part about this is obviously taking a swing on Justin Fields out of Ohio State. So we've seen names tossed around like Marcus Mariota, like Andy Dalton, just putting more cap allocating more money to your quarterback position when you don't have to do that. I just don't see how that makes sense because if you need a better backup quarterback, you need a better starting quarterback. It is very simple. I just don't understand the team building concept in I'm going to pay multiple quarterbacks in the event that one gets hurt. Nope, not doing that. Not falling for that trick again. No, 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 no. Um, We do not know the names of the best we don't know the names of a lot of backup quarterbacks in the NFL because a lot of starters don't miss games. That is, that matters. That has to matter. Playing has to matter. So in this scenario, and again, make it, I don't want to make it seem like moving on from Jimmy does not come without risk because there is so much unknown on the other side of the coin, even with Deshaun Watson, like that is going to happen. There is a unknown. So in this scenario, there's plenty of risk because the 49ers are moving from 12 to three to trade up for a rookie. And this rookie just happens to go to Ohio state who does not have a great track record of quarterbacks. And there are people who have been told me today that he was running from competition at Georgia, which is not true. That is not, 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 not true. A hundred percent. He left Georgia because Kirby smart would not play him. Talk to the people at Georgia. They will tell you this back to fields, the player. I think he is a just perfect a perfect fit for this offense, for what Kyle Shannon wants to do. Kyle Shannon needs a quarterback who marvels in the quick end. Kyle Shannon needs a quarterback who knows where to go. Kyle Shannon needs somebody who can create on his own. He has said this himself at plenty of QB camps and just the QB, uh, whatever that is that he collective. runs in the offseason. QB collective. Yes. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> Fields has not taken many snaps under center. Thanks to Sports Info Solutions. We have that data. In 2020, Fields went... 27 for 36 for 412 yards and two touchdowns, averaging 11.9 yards per attempt under center. That will do. Um, We will take those numbers. Those are pretty sweet. Every day of the week. Yes. So another thing, 
with Fields is he is just dead on accurate. He it helps that he has a rocket launcher attached to his right shoulder, but he's just deathly accurate. And that matters because it allows you to make pinpoint throws, make these calls where you can throw down the seam. You can throw those 15 yard outs. You can throw these combination routes that you just probably weren't able to throw these past four years. And even better, he does not make mistakes as far as the turnover worthy throws. So People are going to point out to Indiana, and I believe it was Northwestern was the other game that he had the hiccups yeah, in he had some duds. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt, and, and nobody's disputing that at all. But every quarterback does that. Trevor Lawrence had plenty of games like that this past season, but nobody brings those up. So Fields had a turnover-worthy rate of 2.8%, according to PFF. That is, I mean, you're not going to get any better than that just because – of the time he was throwing the ball through the air, like his air yards, 70% of his passing yards came through the air. So furthermore, PFF gave him a 24.5 passing grade at the intermediate level and a 96.5 passing grade on throws over uh, 20 yards, just unreal accuracy and just unreal execution. Yes, Ohio State's offense does create layups, but he hits those layups and he, unlike Dwayne Haskins, is challenging the field and not just hitting crossers to pad his stats so i think there is a significant distinction of what fields does and i i referenced just him running and i referenced him on a play against indiana where he it looked like he ran a 4-4 so it looked like he was flying and that just kind of gives you an idea of how fast he is i use it was a lead block scenario and naturally um some of the people were like yeah i've been waiting for a quarterback to lead block yes thank you that is definitely what i meant when i brought that up but i just think what Fields does as far as his legs on the ground opens a can of worms that Kyle has never been able to use. And on high leverage situations, so third and short, second and short, in the red zone, you can use Fields' legs and you can just pull the ball. Just pull the ball once or twice and boom, five, six, maybe 10, 20 yards comes with Fields. So um, I love everything that he will bring to the 49ers. I think he's already good. And his trajectory is going to be even better. His trajectory is going to be through the roof in the 49ers offense with the weapons that they have. Uh, Tell me some of your thoughts on Justin Fields. Do you have a take? Have you watched much of him? I do. I do. So uh, I love this part of your plan. I think the most out of all the plans. And I think your first plan had Trey Lance. Haven't watched much. Haven't watched much of Trey Lance to be honest, but you know, just reading about him and kind of what his floor is, that kind of scares you a little bit. Um, just coming from an FCS school and all that kind of stuff. And then your second plan was Matthew Stafford, but that's kind of out the window now. And I, I personally really, really like this one. And I, for some reason, tend to watch a lot of Ohio State just during the season. I have a couple friends that are kind of big fans, and so. Um, and they play a lot in that 9 a.m. slot Pacific time. So I, I just tend to watch them a lot. And his 2019 just tape, stats, whatever, was just unreal. And I think when you think of Kyle Shanahan, and a lot of people confuse mobility and like pocket quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff, I think the first thing he looks for is accuracy. Like, can my quarterback be like deathly accurate and get the ball where I want them to get the ball? And you watch Justin Fields and he does that at like, uh, a, a high, high, high rate. Um, and I think you pointed out like Derek Clawson, who charts quarterbacks. I think he was the most accurate quarterback he's charted in like four years or something like that. Um, it's unreal. And it's not like, you know, he's thrown close to the line of scrimmage or anything like that, right? He's taking a lot of shots down the field. 
and he's still putting the ball in uh, spots for for his receivers. So, yeah, I've, I so far just all twenty two. I've seen a couple games of Fields. I like what I see so far. I think just in terms of his accuracy is pretty good. I still think he tends to hold the ball maybe a, a touch too much um, in certain scenarios. And I'm not sure if that's just because of the way Ohio State's offense is structured or whatever the case is, but sometimes it feels like he holds it a touch too long and maybe it leads to a sack or maybe he evades the pocket a little too late and sometimes he gets run down or whatever the case. But um, yeah, and then you add in his mobility, like you mentioned, he's not he's not like a Lamar Jackson type athlete or anything like that. Um, but he's, I think, good enough to create out of the structure. There's one play I tweeted where uh, he like rolls out to his left, escaping pressure. And the first thing I thought was, if you know a 49ers offensive lineman had blown a play like that, we'd be talking about how the center blew the play. And instead, you just talk about how Fields made this like amazing 45 yard throw, like on the move. He like resets his feet, and he just makes it look so effortless uh, when he throws the ball down the field. So. Yeah, this I really, really like. Uh, I watched a lot of Zach Wilson earlier in the year. And I mean, I think that they'd both be good in this offense. I just think Fields' ceiling is a little higher just because of his physical tools. Um, I just think his size, his strength, his arm strength, they're all like slightly better than Wilson's. Um, but his play was a little bit more up and down this season. So people aren't regarding him as high. And, you know, back to just 2020 play, I think uh, Ohio State had a lot of like Corona-related issues. And that becomes really complex, right? Did like, you have to figure out, hey, did, you know, his offense practice on a certain given week. Like how many guys did he have out due to COVID? Like was his coaching staff, you know, uh, out or, you know, were they, you know, on Zoom calls all week versus they had practice or just whatever the case. There's a lot of external factors that go into his play. You know, I'm not trying to excuse some of the weird games he had, but if you just go look at the stat sheet, it's not as bad as people think um they are uh especially after the season he had in 2019 so i do like this move um (laughs) i think a lot of people took some intrigue because he was as a high schooler i think he attended that qb collective camp with kyle shanahan Uh, i think there's like a picture with the both of them in it which adds some intrigue not sure it means a whole lot but kyle shanahan at least knows of him he's like met him before um and yeah i think this is the first real off season after 2017 uh, where Shanahan has an opportunity to go and get a guy, right? I think the last couple of years they've drafted pretty late. They've had Garoppolo. They've just there's just other reasons that don't let you go get a franchise quarterback. And now is truly, you know, when the cap's going down, um, you could really, really use a, a quarterback with a rookie contract to be able to offset the other things that you're trying to do. And, you know, I think the 49ers, a lot of people will talk about, hey, can a rookie quarterback lead them to Super Bowl? I don't view them as like a Super Bowl team right now. I don't, they, you know, whatever Vegas says, all that kind of stuff. I just, can they get to the playoffs consistently enough? Can they just get enough tries to make a deep run in the playoffs is all I'm worried about right now. And I think a guy like Fields with a talented roster around him, you know, uh, on a rookie contract should be able to do that. And I just, I like that path. And, you know, the cost you outlined to get from 12 to 3 is a lot lower than it would be to trade for Deshaun Watson. It might even be lower than it would have been to trade for Matt Stafford. Like, it's it's much more reasonable than you guys think. It's just, you know, you give up 12, you give up another first, you maybe give up a third-round comp pick this season, and that allows you to move up. And I just think you have to be aggressive. Aggressive people win in life. And I, I really like this plan that you outlined. 
So one thing that I have spoken to with people in that I've seen them say about Ohio State's offense is they have wide receivers read the coverage. So when that is the case, the quarterback is going to have to hold the ball for a split second longer. That is not making excuses for Fields. That is just telling how it is. There are plays where he should have gotten rid of the ball sooner than he did and took sacks because of it. There are 10 more plays where he avoids somebody or moves subtly in the pocket and makes another throw. So that is far more valuable to me than holding the ball for a split second or two here and there. So the wide receiver reads are something that I think needs to be mentioned. And then you mentioned QB Kloss, our pal Derek Clawson. He had Fields' adjusted completion percentage at 83%, which is nuts considering he was throwing the ball down the field as much as he was. But I think the real win here is getting a quarterback on a rookie contract, as you mentioned. So we, we just talked about cutting Ford and Weston Richburg, which is $10.5 right there. Now you have a QB on a rookie contract for four more years after just opening that cap space that just opens a bag that you had no access to previously. And now you can sign premium players. You are not going to have a 2022 first round pick. That is okay. You are going to be able to still field a very talented roster 2020 there is a gamble there there is no guarantee that you will make the playoffs there is no guarantee you will make the playoffs as the roster is currently constructed either i want to point that out as well so there's going to be risk and we keep saying this no matter what happens but as you just mentioned there are there's almost more upside to rolling into the season with a, a rookie a question mark in justin fields but i think what it comes down to is can you get the same or better production out of fields on a rookie contract then you can Jimmy Garoppolo making 26, 27 million. I think that's what it comes down to. If so, that first round pick is not valuable because we saw the Rams just deal the, deal the same to get rid of Goff's contract. And in a sense, the 49ers would be doing the same while also upgrading at the position. And I think with what they need with to challenge defenses, they're probably going to have to have a different quarterback. But I will acknowledge that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, quote unquote, winner. He is going to, I don't know. Let, let me ask you this. If nothing changes right now and every, they bring back Trent Williams, they draft Trey Lance, Trey Lance sits. What, where do the 49ers finish in 2021? So how many games is Jimmy Garoppolo going to play? That will determine kind of what, how their season looks like. And just given his roller coaster history, like I don't think you can make a fair prediction without knowing that. Um, and I think that plays a big role into it. But just given their current roster construction, I they're like a 500 team, you know, uh, nine and I guess next year's a 17 game season. So like nine and eight, 10 and seven, something like that. Um, it is so weird to say and the math doesn't make sense. And your your brain is just wired to do the 16 game math and the even evenness with it. And now with like this oddball 17th game, it just like doesn't sound right. It just sounds kind of gross. Yeah, it does. I, I think that's a fair assessment. So we're probably looking at, you know, 500 and just hovering around 500. It could go nine and seven. It could go 10 and six, but it could also go the other way, as we saw this year, just because injuries are a real thing and not just for Jimmy, just for a lot of the players. It feels like their success is so dependent on whether their core group of players stays healthy, because outside of Fred Warner, I'm not sure if there's a player who doesn't come with an injury question mark. And that is kind of scary to think about when you consider how important those players are. 
which is why it always comes back to the most important player, the quarterback. So I know, yeah, that's, that's going to be tough to say just because, you know, what is Jimmy mate or how many games does Jimmy play? Uh, who do they pick up in the draft? Do they choose to continue to build around him? Are they going to draft his successor and let Jimmy still play? I, I heard a little bit of talk about that. So let me ask you this, and we can probably wrap with wrap on this. Do you think if the 49ers are to select a quarterback, whether they trade up a couple spots, maybe to number nine and draft Lance, or if they move all the way up for fields, in a, is there a scenario where Jimmy G is still on the team? Or is it only if they sit tight at 12 or move back and draft a quarterback? Um, I think if they were to take one of Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, I think you could justify starting that guy day one. I think that player has enough experience, has proven it at the high, highest level, played last season, and seems more like a natural fit. Where with Trey Lance, I feel like you could justify keeping Jimmy Garoppolo maybe another year and you know using it as like a Trey Lance needs a year to develop type thing. Um. I just believe you if you draft the first round rookie quarterback, just play the guy. Um, you know, take the lumps. Uh, you know, in the first year, uh, it might not be. You know, um, you might not hit the ceiling that you'd want to immediately, but I just think it's valuable reps for that rookie quarterback to be out there uh, in Kyle Shanahan's system, um, and you know, just to get that experience. We saw that with Justin Herbert. We saw that with two of this past season. We saw that with Burrow. All those guys just came out and played. And I feel like there's this weird notion, maybe you could talk to this, that like Kyle Shanahan's system is so complex that like how can this rookie quarterback come in and run it? Like, I feel like you hit on it. I feel like I, you did a good job talking about it. Yeah, I don't think that it's that complex. I think that you do need to know where to go with the football, which is a big deal in the NFL. And that doesn't matter who's under center. You can hide a lot of your protection issues by knowing where to go with the football. I think that is far superior than, you know, when we talk about a quick release, knowing where to go is just worlds better, just worlds more important for an offense. So I think that, I think being able to challenge different parts of the field, and I also think being able to create. So sliding in the pocket, making that subtle pocket movement, and just bailing your guys out. Because if you need the five guys up front to be perfect every play, you're not going to be successful. That is not real life. That's not what happens in the NFL. That's not what happens at the high school level. So to, if you're just begging your offensive line to be perfect every play, look around. Because that does not happen in the NFL for anybody else. And expecting that for the 49ers this is not real life. Uh, so that's it. We talked a bunch about quarterbacks. We went through Kyle's fantastic plan uh, of taking Justin Fields and filling in the roster around him. You can read about that at NinersNation.com along with the fun other stuff that these guys put out. Um, that is it for today. As always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure to go ahead and subscribe to the Niner, Niners Nation Podcast Network. Go ahead and rate us five stars as always. Um, and go ahead and, and drop us a review uh, or comment, just give us some feedback, anything. Uh, we really, really do appreciate it. I'm one of the hosts, Akash. You can find me at Twitter at Akash Anav, A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Cal Posey, the other host. His computer went Jimmy Garoppolo on us. He's uh, on IR. Uh, you can find him at KP underscore show on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> that's it. And co Niners. <laughs>